0: All right, I think I figured out my holy trinity of movie genres. Oh, boy. Horror, superhero, weird off-kilter buddy comedy starring two ladies where at least one of them is a lesbian. Maybe both, but at least one. (laughs) That is a motley crew of genres. (laughs) Right? And the the funny thing is, the real joke there is that superhero movie, I don't think, is really even a genre. Mm. In that it's... Mm. It's a common collection of things, but I don't think it really informed. It's neither here nor there. Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody! Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. The Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And this is our podcast, where we talk sometimes gaming news, sometimes comic news, pretty much always movie news, and also pretty much always a movie review. That's clunky, but I think that's close closest I'm gonna get. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and this this week, we got all three. Oh boy. Kinds of news that is, because I realized I listed four things. So we have all four. And <laughs> Nintendo Partner Showcase this week. You know what's unfortunate is that you I didn't watch it? that.
1: <laughs> but well I did. I just don't remember a lot of it because I only watched it once.
0: <laughs> yeah, I went with a highlight reel. And by highlight reel I mean I found a recap and these are the things that jump out at me. hmm Epic Mickey Rebrushed. That feels weird. <laughs> Yeah, the thing like, that jumps out to me, of all things, is that it's $60, apparently. Are you serious? No, I'm Cody. Okay. <laughs> but also, I'm serious. And also, I'm gonna have to bleep that. <laughs>
1: Fair. A $60 remaster of a Wii game.
0: Right? That's... You should at least put Epic Vicky two on it if you're charging 60 for it.
1: Yeah, like, if both games were there, then I would understand. But if it's just the first one, then yeah, that's a little greedy.
0: What is this insanity?
1: Uh... Corporate video game Uh, greed? It's
0: flimflammity. Flimflammery? The chicanery.
1: Chicanery, like on a racetrack. Chicanery on a track.
0: What'd you say, plum dog foolery? Plum dog foolery. I like that. I might keep that. I might use that. (laughs) I'll steal it. No one will ever know! (laughs) Hey, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We also got confirmation that Pentiment and Grounded are coming to Nintendo Switch. Neither are games that I really know that much about anyway, but. That's neat. Right. They had the balls, the absolute testicular fortitude, to tease a bunch of rare games coming to NES Online. Well, NES Online... Nintendo Switch Online and the Expansion Pack. Because mm. we're getting Killer Instinct and Battle Toads and Battle Maniacs for the Super Nintendo, Snake Rattle and Roll and RC Pro AM for uh, original <laughs> NES, and Blast Core for N64. And the, the thing that flabbergasts me about this... You're doing all this rare stuff and not Donkey Kong 64?
1: Yeah, I feel like that would be a no-brainer at this point.
0: Yeah, either tell us you're making a new Donkey Kong or get off the pot. Yeah. This coconut gun will fire and spurts and if it shoots you.
1: It's gonna hurt. Uh, who knows, whether they're like working on something like a remaster of DK64, or, like through what they're doing for like Paper Mario and what they did for Mario RPG.
0: Donkey Kong 65. <laughs> I can see them calling it that, too. I still gotta play Donkey Kong 1 through 63. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Odd. I can't find any of them though. Seems like they don't even exist, but I know that's not true. Yeah. I mean they're out there somewhere. Otherwise, not that much was really jumping out at me. Uh we do have a Shimagami Tensei 5 follow up coming out. Okay. So that's something. Also a new endless ocean of all things. Isn't that literally the oceanography game? Or Yeah, pretty much.
1: Huh. I don't know, I can't speak too much because I never played any of the games, but I can't help but go, yes, because that's exactly what we need uh, more of, another one of these.
0: <laughs> well, I think the funniest thing here is they're like, yeah, explore the explore the new Veiled Sea, a mysterious place known only to a few people. Play with up to 30 people online. <laughs> I'm thinking Secret can... Never mind.
1: How many people you got? About a few? About a few. <laughs> 30 is a few to somebody out there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. All I can see is a bunch of guys in scuba gear on a submarine and one person's like, All right, where are we dropping, boys?
1: Deep. (laughs) Very deep. How deep? Have you ever heard of a little thing called the Titan? (laughs) I wish
0: I hadn't. Oh, and another crab's treasure. I like the look of that one.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: The one where you're a hermit crab and your shell's been stolen and you gotta gotta put whatever on your back. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I do remember that. That one looked interesting, for sure.
0: I like that. I like the looks of that. I'm excited. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh in all, not a bad partner showcase. Uh, right. People are still going on about the Switch 2. The worst part is, when they eventually announce it, all those same people who have been calling it for literal years are going to go, See, I called it.
1: I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. When it comes to you, it was like, yeah, it's coming. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course it's fucking coming. Why wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> this just did. Nintendo's like, unless... not going to stop making consoles. More at 11.
1: Yeah, it's like, unless Nintendo actually comes out and says, yeah, this is our last game system, like... Yeah, of course there's a new thing coming out. Why wouldn't there be a new thing coming out? That would just be hemorrhaging money for no reason at that point. Dumb idea. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go to comic news. Oh boy. So uh, we're going to go back to your favorite thing to talk about in comics. The Ultimate Universe. The new Ultimate Universe. <sighs>
1: okay, what stupid shit are they doing this time?
0: <laughs> the Ultimates are back.
1: What, like Ultimate Tony Stark and all that?
0: Well, by that I mean they're launching a new line and calling it Ultimates, because again, this isn't the Ultimate Universe (laughs) came back. This is just a new (laughs) thing that they're calling the new Ultimate Universe. What?
1: Okay, I... This is stupid, but continue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is, but what a great Mm. time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, the new title is arriving in June, written by Dennis Camp and drawn by Juan Frigari. Okay. We've already seen this team, a little, or at least parts of it, in the lead-up. With mm. uh Tony Stark, aka Iron Lad, Captain America, Thor, Lady Sif, and the ultimate equivalent of Reed Richards who's calling himself Doom.
1: Um, that's concerning
0: <laughs> Well remember, the the evil previous Ultimate Universe, Reed Richards, is the one who's been running this world and he imprisoned the other Reed and put the mask on him, so Hmm. But also now Ant Man and the Wasp are joining. Okay. And it's it's a pretty sick Ant Man design, if I'm being honest. I'll send you a picture real quick. Alright. Look at that.
1: Oh wow, that is really cool actually.
0: Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to that. I hope they don't get too many more titles because now that I'm picking them back up monthly for the most part, huh. Oh. oh, why would you do that to yourself? Because I like the concept and I want to support it, and because publishers are dumb and they don't <laughs> wait for trade paperbacks before deciding whether or not something is cancelled.
1: Fair. Fair and valid. So if
0: I want Spider Man to stay married, I have to buy this book as it comes up. <laughs> <out next month. laughs>
1: Alright, alright, we were like this close to making Peter Parker fucking miserable for no reason again.
0: Oh, but people are still buying shit, damn it. (laughs) I couldn't even get issue two, it was sold out at my comic store. Mm. In an hour. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately I'm on the notification list for when they get a second printing, which hopefully they'll get, but... Okay. I wanted to read that. Right. But no, this is an, this is an interesting thing. It's kind of funny to me that the original Ultimate Universe's intention was to be a new universe with familiar characters that readers could jump onto without keeping up with years of continuity, functionally. Okay, and how's that
1: going so far?
0: <laughs> well, inevitably it failed because if the universe goes on long enough, eventually it gets its own years of continuity that people then have to keep up with and it's no longer new reader-friendly. And there's mm. the rub. Here... Yeah. We have the problem that, starting off on the foot, that you probably want to have already read Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe, and be familiar with the old Ultimate Universe, and probably Secret Wars, so, um, I don't know.
1: This is dumb.
0: (laughs) And yet it sells.
1: Yeah, I kind of figure it's like, alright, they're gonna at least be smart enough to be like, the old Ultimate Universe doesn't matter with this new one, because it's a new Ultimate Universe, right? And it's like, no, apparently there's still some carryover there, which...
0: it kind of matters in that it gives some important context to the maker and what he's up to, but... Hmm. Mm, fair. Still. I also got some DC news that I wasn't sure if I was going to include or not, but I think this is worth talking about. Oh, boy. Yeah, they're doing a new line of collections called DC Finest, which are going to start launching in November. They start at thirty-four point ninety-nine. They're not collections of specific runs. It's supposed to be more about focusing on the characters themselves and certain storytelling genres. So it's kind of a, hey, you want to get into Superman? Check this out. So kind of like a best of. Sort of. Uh, We actually know what's in the Superman collection, because uh, they've announced a few of them, one of which is DC Finest Superman, The Coming of Superman. This one actually includes Action Comics 1 through 25, Superman mm. 1 through 5, and New York World's Fair Comics number 1. Okay,
1: I did not expect them to dig that far back into the past.
0: No, it was also mentioned that many of these volumes will feature material reprinted for the first time. Hmm. So that's cool.
1: Okay, that sounds pretty cool.
0: They also said character-focused collections will have multiple iterations of fan-favorite superheroes. Uh, Specifically on their website, they cite, for example, a Robin collection may include volumes featuring Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, or Jason Todd. Still Mm. at it with the Stephanie Brown erasure, I see. Oh, wait, who? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I was going to say, which I'm pretty sure just proved your point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, They also state, while a Green Lantern collection may include classic stories featuring Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Alan Scott, or other fan-favorite ring-slingers.
1: Hmm. I will say, I I did also, during that, I very quickly did a prose on Stephanie Brown. I kind of like that her name currently or at least according to the batman wiki is the spoiler
0: yeah that was her original identity actually because she's the daughter of uh minor batman villain the clue master he's basically a knockoff riddler and when okay. she found out he was a criminal she decided to thwart his plans ergo she became the spoiler oh that's just adorable <laughs> she's great she's great she doesn't get enough rep mm. <laughs> She's also a pretty good Batgirl, and now she's Batgirl again, I think, maybe? Or she's one of the Batgirls. Oh, okay. I think there's three of them right now.
1: There's three Batgirls.
0: Last I checked, Stephanie and Cassandra Cain were the two, like, main Batgirls, and Barbara was running support as Oracle and occasionally jumping in, but not really. Hmm... I don't know. Anyways, the point with DC Finest, aside from Superman, we're also getting Catwoman Lifelines, okay, Wonder Woman Origin and Omens, Origins and Omens, or- okay, <laughs> Batman Year One and Two. That sounds like a lot just on its own, based on that title. No, Year One's a specific story. Oh, okay. It's the post-Crisis reinvention of Batman's origin by Frank Miller. Post-Crisis. Yeah. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if this is your
1: first time here on the podcast, welcome! Uh, We're glad you're here, but also, I don't read this shit.
0: (laughs) I hope uh, hope you stick around, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Indeed. (laughs) Thanks for listening. But, uh, to make a very long story very short, there used to be an infinite number of multiverses, editorial decided to collapse that into one, and then they did, and we've been suffering for it ever since.
1: Oof. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that that's what it was called, but that does sound more familiar now that you explained it like that.
0: Yeah, this is where Barry Allen died and stayed dead for 20 years, and then they came, and then he came back and they haven't known what to do with him since.
1: <laughs> well, you brought this guy back to life. What do we do with him? Uh.
0: <laughs> Have him reset the timeline so he's the only Flash. What? What? <laughs> Speaking of, we're also getting the Flash Human Thunderbolt. Okay. Uh, has Classic Adventures of Barry Allen also includes Silver Age Flash stories that include the first appearances of famous Flash rogues, including Captain Cold, Mirror Master, and Gorilla Grodd. Alright. I might already have some of these, because I was collecting some of the Silver Age volumes, like the Flash Silver Age, Green Lantern Silver Age. I might take a look once these come out and see if there's anything on here that wouldn't be in those, because if not, I'll probably just keep getting those, because they're actually chronological. Although it doesn't matter much, because the thing about Silver Age comics is if you didn't grow up reading them and then you sit down and try, they fucking
1: suck. I'm guessing a lot of them writing Rise and whatnot have not stood the test of time.
0: They're, they're, they're exactly as bad as parodies make them out to be, where they're all goofy and stupid and over the top, and mm. characters just say stuff because the writers don't know how to actually... or Because the, the writers can't be sure the artists are actually going to depict it properly, so they actually just write out, Ah, uh, yes, if I use my super speed and run in reverse, I can stop this tornado.
1: Oh, we're doing the whole, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoon thing, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, that old school. Okay.
0: <laughs> that ought to be fun, though. Mm. Now, I'm keeping an eye on this, because I also, I appreciate them making older material more accessible. Yeah. That's a real problem with uh, a lot of these long-running publishers. yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the the movie division of who owns DC, Mm. Warner Brothers, and uh, time to (laughs) talk some smack.
1: Oh boy, smack-talking and engage.
0: They have taken a $115 million tax write-down on projects. We don't know if Coyote vs. Acme is one of them.
1: Okay, as I was going to say, so what I'm hearing is that the Coyote vs. Acme movie is not happening then.
0: (laughs) It might, it probably not. We don't know for sure, but it might have been one of them. The mm. even worse part is, uh, apparently, when the film was shown to multiple buyers, at least one bid came in at around forty million dollars, and they're supposed mm. to get like, if if it was part of the write off, that accounts for like thirty million. So it's, I feel like if somebody offered to buy the movie off of you for more than the tax write down would have been, you should be obligated to take it. Yeah, like at that point, at that point, the government should say no, you can't get the write down.
1: I mean, it's also thing if they're accounting for, of like, $30 of to write down to be that, and someone's like, I'll give you 40 it's like, I feel like that's just, like, basic math at that point, to be like,
0: yeah, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, but it's also the problem of, and it's also the problem of this is a company with shareholders, so you gotta actually look like you know what you're doing, and, like, you have a plan, and that you can handle your shit, even if you can't. Because you mm. run into the problem of what happens when you sell that movie to somebody else, and they turn around, and it becomes a big hit, starring one of your most recognizable brands. Mm. The answer is you look like an idiot, just like you do when you write it down for taxes. But yeah, as I was
1: gonna say, just like you do right freaking now.
0: <laughs> one looks slightly better for shareholders, they expect. Right. It tanked after the latest earnings report, though, so who knows? <laughs> Self fulfilling prophecy, much? Apparently, they're approaching the point where it's close to them being able to be sold off to somebody else because there was a, I think, two year lock on it once Discovery merged with them, where it's like, okay, no more. No more sales of Warner Brothers for two years, so we're getting close. So if Zazzle's Mm. really aiming to strip the company down for parts, we'll be seeing it soon. Right. What a disappointment. Indeed. And I'll admit, things aren't looking all that much better for Marvel, either. Oh, no? What's going on there? I'm exaggerating for dramatic juxtaposition and effect. Mm. But this one really irks me. Oh, boy. So a Hollywood Reporter article came out about Marvel doing a bunch of retooling in the wake of some of their... More recent setbacks like the Marvels underperforming at the box office and Secret Invasion and Quantum Mania and what have you. Right. And if this article is to be believed, and it's one of the trade publications, so it's more trustworthy than most, mm-hmm. not only is Avengers of the Kang Dynasty getting a new title to remove the character's name, <laughs> apparently the studio was already making moves to minimize the character after Quantum Mania underperformed. Oh come on. What a stupid idea if true. It's like Yeah. What y'all y'all remember do y'all not remember when Thanos was first teased and then came out in Guardians of the Galaxy and everybody just mocked him for being an asshole who just sat on his chair? <laughs> Imagine if you'd thrown him out when that happened.
1: Yeah, you you have it set up where it's like people are underestimating this guy, even though we've seen that King is fairly powerful. Even though Ant-Man underperformed, you have the ball rolling on a thing. Don't just pick it up and give up right away.
0: Yeah, the trick would have been keep using Kang for a couple more things. Do a couple more variants. Give him the chance to build up some menace. Maybe actually film him killing some Avengers. Oh, yeah, that would be pretty neat. Don't get me wrong, Quantum Mania was a misstep in a lot of ways, and it mishandled building up Kang's menace, but it was still a good character. And the fact yeah. that you apparently decided to listen to all the chuckle fucks going on oh, he got beat by ants. First of all, no, he didn't shut the fuck up. He got weakened <laughs> by ants. Second of right. all, they were thousands of years of evolved technocratic socialist ants. So <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not like he got beaten by your run of the mill garden variety ants, okay? Yeah, shut up. Yeah, exactly. Second, that's just a way for people to go, oh, he got beaten by Ant-Man, how tough can he be? And it's just another way of doing stupid power-scaling bullshit and go, oh, because this character is street-level, that doesn't that means they can't handle regular threats. You remember when Ant-Man went in Giant-Man and wrecked a bunch of the Avengers shit?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pepper Farm remembers.
0: It took four of them working together or so to bring him down. You remember that? Yeah. You idiots. So that that's a decision that I'm not super enthused about, if so. Right. Uh, It does also mention, of course, the casting of the Fantastic Four, that early this month they completed reshoots for Agatha Darkhold Diaries, which is expected to hit this fall, and probably with a different name. I completely forgot that that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part is I feel like they're going to just call it Agatha all along, which is what they should have called it the first time. Yeah, such a good title to begin with. Unless there's a reason for them doing all these name changes, but for the life of me, Mm. couldn't imagine.
1: Or just some, like, internal conflict or something like that.
0: Yeah. So, they're going through a bit of a creative retooling, where Mm. it's just the same old, yep, we're scaling back content, but we're doing better work on it, which, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. While I'm complaining about fans, though...
1: (laughs) Alright, this is a segue.
0: (laughs) I'm seeing a lot of things where it's like, people are complaining and saying stuff like, oh man, this is part of the problem, where's Shang-Chi? And then you've got the people clapping back going, people say they want less content but then complain when their characters aren't getting follow-ups. It's like, that's not contradictory! That is not a contradictory statement! That is a consequence of introducing 50 new characters across the last few years and then deciding that you're doing too much content and that you're gonna pull back. It means because you've appealed to all these different people who want different things when certain people aren't getting play they're gonna notice they're gonna be upset this is a perfectly expected consequence of the actions you have chosen to take it is not a contradictory thing
1: yeah by having all these extra characters you have a lot more people drawn in which also means you have a lot more people with different interests in the series so it's like it's a very bad self-fulfilling prophecy at the end
0: yeah case in point when iron man and cap like across phase three Iron Man and Cap were pretty much in a movie a year, from 2014 in Cap's case and 2015 in Iron Man's case, all the way up to Endgame.
1: Right.
0: Now, granted, it wasn't always a big role, like Cap in 2017 was pretty much just the, the homecoming tease, but it still felt like he got an update on his situation and it felt like he was there and it made the world feel a little more connected and lived in. That's not happening here, or it's happening much more slowly, especially relative to the rate they were cracking out content. So, yeah, I think it is kind of unfortunate that Shang-Chi had a really good movie in 2021. Here we are 2024, and all we know about a sequel is that he's getting one.
1: Yeah, no news on if it's actually being worked on actively or, or shot or anything like that, even.
0: And that gap between projects makes it even harder to get excited about seeing your favorites again, because at the rate that it goes, that means the odds are it feels like there's going to be less projects with them. Because if they're only making Shang-Chi movies every five or six years, Mm. are we going to get three? I don't know. Maybe we'll only get two. Who knows? Yeah. I still like Marvel a lot, don't get me wrong, but they have made some genuine missteps, and yeah, there's going to be some seemingly inconsistent and incongruous things while they sort it out, because part of the problem is when your fan base is literally everybody, you're never gonna <laughs> please everybody. Yeah. But no, that's not a contradictory statement. Is my takeaway.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent.
0: That's my that's my rant for for the moment. <laughs> for the moment, it's a key portion of the. <laughs> yeah. You like Naruto, right? I dabble. <laughs> well. <laughs> so
1: what's funny about that is that I've actually. <laughs> I started reading more of the Boruto manga, and I haven't even started with Boruto when it started. I've been reading the time skip that's happening now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's like I, I don't care enough to, like, know all the shit that's going on. I've picked up enough through context clues to be like, Alright, I have a pretty good idea of what's happened so far. I, I don't feel the need to read any of the other shit.
0: <laughs> well, what if I told you that the director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Destin Daniel Cretton, is going to be writing and directing a live-action adaptation.
1: Mmm... I have mixed feelings on that.
0: <laughs> it's a movie,
1: not a series. Oh, I, I, I gathered as much. Well, I, No, I feel like that would be worse then, because there's a lot of shit that happens in Naruto as a whole. Like, I don't see like, how that works well, that you turn that into a movie, unless it's a movie that has a ridiculous running time.
0: I feel like you could probably go up through The Village Hidden in the Mist. You'd have to skip over some stuff, but hmm. I think you could handle Up Through Village Hidden in the Mist as one movie. I'm not, like, the deepest into Naruto stuff. Uh, I definitely watched
1: a lot more Naruto than I have of Waruto overall, and I have a general idea of, like, how things go and all that. But the thing that would make me very curious is which arc they decide to do. Hmm. There's no way in hell of how much of Naruto exists that you can do just, like, a general
0: Naruto movie. That's not happening. So... Oh, I'm less enthused now. Yeah. <laughs> no, not for that reason. Oh, okay. But, yeah, that's my concern at that point. Yeah, Arid Productions is also involved in this movie. Uh, that's the production company of Avi Arad. Okay. He was a formative member of Marvel during when they were getting the universe off the ground, but he left before they got good. He's now better known as Chronic Spider-Man Ruiner. (laughs) Dare I ask why? (laughs) He's just... He's one of those guys who obviously doesn't get the thing that he has. He he was a long-standing person at Sony when they were making Spider-Man movies, and he's also who forced Venom into Spider-Man 3, among other problems. Oof.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's that's not great.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a man who just comes at it from an ass-backwards perspective and just drags it all down from there. I'm not saying he can't do good stuff, but if he's involved in this, I don't have a lot of faith. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. What if we had less ninjutsu is a question I could see him asking. <sighs> yeah, I
1: could see that too, and that's unfortunate because even as kind of bullshit as ninjutsu is, it is a core part of the series, so... Yeah.
0: What if we had less backflipping and magical ninja powers? Then why do you want to make Naruto
1: money? You can't have Naruto without magical ninja bullshit voodoo.
0: Right? (laughs) Hand in hand.
1: It's the thing of, like, people will be like, oh, it's worth that." I was like, no, there is, like, actual magic in this series. You cannot tell me otherwise. No, they're basically wizards.
0: (laughs) They're wizards with a different name.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And now, for a new, this won't be a recurring segment, but uh, I'm going to call this Crazy quotes from people or something. I don't know. It's weird quotes.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Weird quotes from Hollywood.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this one involves uh, someone I think near and dear to both of our hearts, Werner Herzog. Mm -hmm. In an appearance on Pierce Morgan Uncensored, he was asked if he was Team Barbie (laughs) or Team Oppenheimer. Uh, And his response was, let let me just get my best Werner Herzog impression going. (laughs) I have not seen Oppenheimer yet, but I will do it. Barbie, I managed to see the first half hour, and I was curious. I wanted to watch it because I was curious. And I still don't have an answer, but I have a suspicion. Could it be that the world of Barbie is sheer hell? (laughs) I mean, it kind of is. (laughs) Yeah, so... I guess the host was a big fan of the movie and, and said, yeah, it's hell. It's an absolute horror. Mm. And then Herzog followed up with, I don't know yet. Give me a moment to watch the whole thing. I have to watch the whole thing first. So I think he might have been talking about Barbie Land and not, like, the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean,
1: Barbie Land in the movie is pretty much hell. And, like, it's one of the core tenets of the movie and what sets up a lot of shit. But from an objective standpoint, it is kind of hell. It's pastel <laughs> hell.
0: Past hell, if you will.
1: Past hell, indeed. No, wait, it's too vibrant
0: to be pastel, isn't it? I don't know. I'm no artist. Hmm. <laughs> I guess what 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 would you call that color scheme? Chartreuse. Chartreuse is like yellow green.
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm I went with chartreuse because it's like I don't know what to describe it, but I feel like the answer would be a a really fancy word for a very simple color.
0: <laughs> it's a it, it's pink. It's pink hell. It's it's pink hell.
1: It, yeah, it's it's hellish pink. Yeah, I don't know.
0: So that's a fun one. Him calling the world of Barbie mm. sheer hell, or at least posing the idea that it might be sheer hell. Yeah. I thought that was funny. It is kind of a shame, because it does that seem like funny. it's being taken a lot out of context, and people are like, yeah, see, he hates Barbie. And it's like, I don't think that's, that doesn't seem to be what he's actually saying. No,
1: because, especially since he expressly said, I need to watch the whole movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, uh, Dune director, I'm never going to get this man's name right, Den- Denis mm. Villeneuve. Dennis Villanue? Mm-hmm. Dina. That, no, why would it be Dinas? Dinas. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, I mean, so
1: am I, man. <laughs> I understand.
0: Uh, when speaking with the Times of London, he fired off probably the craziest sounding take I've ever heard. That's saying something. Frankly, I hate dialogue. Dialogue is for theater and television. I don't remember movies because of a good line. I remember movies because of a strong image. I'm not interested in dialogue at all. Pure image and sound, that is the power of cinema. But it is something not obvious when you watch movies today. Movies have been corrupted by television. I I feel like... (laughs) This is the
1: only thing my brain can go to, but I feel like that's kind of one of those things said by a person who's basically their best trying to say, wow, look at how big my dick is. (laughs) Like, it's just just such a ridiculous statement. And I mean... Because it's also factually incorrect yeah
0: if you parse through it i think there's a statement to be made here that an over-reliance on dialogue isn't good for films because too many of them too many of them try too hard to do with words what you could do with a good shot but yeah to say that i don't remember movies because of a good line i'm sorry what (laughs) yeah that's just stupid (laughs) you are wired different my friend
1: yeah, yeah, you might, your wires might be misconstrued there.
0: <laughs> Can't believe movies have been corrupted by television. What does that even mean?
1: Good God. I mean, I don't know, maybe something regarding like people's attention spans, if anything.
0: But if people are going to watch but an entire show, what? I don't know.
1: It, it, it's it's a dumb statement, I feel like, is the end all be all. Pure
0: image it. and sound, that's the power of cinema. TV has image and sound, what do you want about Yeah. <laughs> And also, if that's the case, why did you do Dune, part one of which was mostly dialogue?
1: Yeah, like, I don't like dialogue. Makes the Dune movies. Then again, I, I... <laughs> I actually don't
0: remember if there was a lot of dialogue in that. Maybe that's part of why it was so boring, because there wasn't a lot of action or a lot of dialogue. Huh. Mm. Ah. Is a bad time to say I fell asleep during Blade Runner? <laughs> no. I
1: don't think so, more or less because I still need to watch both of the Blade Runner movies. I'm
0: gonna try again. I was tired when I watched it and I'm sure that was a contributing factor, but then I woke up and there was some guy walking around with very light blonde hair and he was shirtless running around in the rain chasing I think Harrison Ford making howling <laughs> noises. I was very confused. <laughs>
1: That's a whole like a thing of like, man, I just woke up from a nap and there's just this naked guy making howling noises at Harrison Ford. Only half naked. half naked is like was he a furry who knows i lost all the context
0: (laughs) yeah so those are some unhinged quotes for the week
1: carry them with you think (laughs) on
0: them let us know what you think in the comments right now let's go to trailer time trailer time it's trailer time again we've got movie previews to watch it's trailer time again! Let's start with Boy Kill's World. We only got two this week that we felt like talking about. Yeah. This looks fun.
1: It's very clearly a movie that is aware of how completely insane this it
0: is. This looks like which is... fun, but I also think I hate it. Oh, how so? It's just... The two halves of the trailer feel at odds with itself. That is
1: fair. You know what? what the first half of the trailer, when it's just the self-dialogue, it's like, all right, this is kind of neat and charming. And then the second half, which is all action, and there's like one bit of self-dialogue at the end, it's like, all right, that is a little whiplashy. Well, the funny thing that, is that felt a little whiplashy. The
0: second part is more interesting to me because the first part, all I could think hmm. is feels like if somebody was supposed to be writing a movie outline for a homework assignment and they put it off until literally five minutes before class <laughs> and everything right. the inner voice says is just their outline that they're handing in. Mm. And it's also really distracting because I also notice that the inner voice is goddamn Bob from Bob's Burgers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The, the premise feels kind of Hunger games which I don't really care about, but Mm -hmm. Hunger Games by way of weird self-irreverence, but then it goes into, like, big over-the-top action set piece, and you, it just, it feels weird. It feels weird, and, like, it doesn't all connect, and and not in a good way.
1: It is a little all over the place, I will give you that. The main thing I got from this trailer is, like, this is a movie that's an action movie that's all over the place and completely batshit, while still trying to keep this consistent 90s arcade undertones going on. And it's like, why is that portion still here? Because I feel like you've kind of lost the plot at that point.
0: <laughs> right, right. But hey, Bill Skarsgård's in it, I like him. Yeah, no, I do too, so it's like, alright, cool. <laughs> He's a very good Marquis de Gramont mm-hmm <laughs> You arrogant asshole, he didn't
1: shoot. <laughs> As I say, he looks a lot less like Max Verstappen in this one. (laughs) I'll
0: take your word for it. And then, we also got a trailer. This one's funny because I don't really have an opinion, but I'm sure you do. It's Borderlands. (laughs) Yes, it's Borderlands,
1: which I want to say this movie's been in development for like three, four years at this point. So I will say this does not look anywhere near as bad as I was expecting it to be. And honestly, the more I've watched this trailer, the more I'm into it, but I'm still not expecting great things. I do think this is going to be a pretty fun movie. Don't know if it's going to be good. I'm cautiously optimistic on that front a little more warm to i mean okay first and foremost jack black being claptrap is by far and away the best part about this
0: <laughs> yeah i'll agree to that
1: his his lines in this trailer are, are genuinely pretty funny <laughs> i i actually enjoyed kevin hart being roland more than i anticipated because roland is traditionally the comedic straight man of borderlands so it's a thing of like you're having kevin hart Play Roland. I don't know about that. And it's interesting because with this, I feel like he's doing more to take his role as a straight man seriously, but there's. You can tell that there's just enough freedom for him to have, not to cause comedic moments, but to keep them going, if that makes sense. Like the whole thing where, like, they're in the piss. I forget what it's called. <laughs>
0: pisswash Valley, I think?
1: Yeah, the Pisswash Valley. And th- she's he's, like, yelling at Tiny TV, like, no, you need to roll out the window. I don't want to roll out the window. And then they get, like, splashed. And he's like, it tastes like pee. It tastes like pee. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen?
0: <laughs> it's called Piss <Piss-watch> Valley.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, nails the voice of Tannis very well and, like, kind of how she speaks. I'll be honest. Man, this might be another Gran Turismo movie type situation for me. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: The vibe I got from this is, you know that scene in The Lion King, where Mufasa Mm. goes, everything the light touches is our kingdom? Yeah. Picture that, but spread out over the entirety of the Pride Lands, you just see the words Mad Max. (laughs) (laughs) And then when Simba goes, what about that shadowy place? That's the Borderlands, you must never go there. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that is the vibe I get, and I can't substantiate it because uh, I've honestly never seen any of the Mad Maxes, and I hope to fix that. And I've never played. Mm. I wait. I played Borderlands once. I don't remember which one, but I played one of them once, and it was with you guys. Yeah, yeah. But that's all. I I mostly I'm mostly astounded they got the cast for this that they did.
1: Yeah, no, the cast is it's <laughs> man, it's so weird because the thing about the cast is that it's a high quality cast. But even though I'm more warm to them being in this movie, they're still not the people I would have cast for these characters. <laughs> it's, it's how did you get
0: them, and also why did you get them?
1: Yeah, like freaking Jamie Lee Curtis and oh crap, Kate Blanchett.
0: One what is she doing here?
1: Yeah, those two in particular. is like okay, I am not doubting the talent. There is top quality talent here, but I still kind of have to go. Why? <laughs>
0: and, I and I don't mean that in a necessarily judgmental way, because I mean you know you. you Anthony Hopkins gets a kick out of doing really stupid shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Case in
0: point, he was in Transformers the Last Night, and I'm pretty sure that was one that he did just for him.
1: Right. And I feel like that's kind of the case here. I feel like especially for Jamie Lee Curtis. She's just like, this is kind of a dumbass movie and I am all here for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. Hmm. I guess we'll see. I'm not against this movie, I'm just not particularly interested. We'll see what happens as uh oh god, August.
1: Yeah, as I say, they're definitely doing a more, they're definitely doing, like, unlike what they I can see them doing with the Naruto movie, them doing a general Borderlands movie does kind of make a little bit more sense here, because it's like, I know you haven't played any of the Borderlands, but there is an absolute crazy mishmash of characters in this, many of which have not been in the same game at once sometimes, at least up until Borderlands 3. Huh. So, yeah, it's like, all right, well, we'll see how this goes.
0: <laughs> all right. Let's talk box office. Oh, boy. We did not see the highest grossing movie this weekend. Oh, boy. It was still Bob Marley, One Love. All right. Oh, God, what does that say for Madam Webb then? <laughs> well, that took a hit, but I'm not here to talk about that. Fair. $13.5 million domestic weekend for Bob Marley, $71.2 million domestic total, and $149.6 million worldwide. That's against a $70 million budget. Mm-hmm. Drive-Away Dolls, the movie we did see, took 8 Okay. $2.4 million domestic weekend and total $2.6 million worldwide total. Hmm. And the budget right. was not confirmed, but the closest sources I've seen say maybe 20 mil. Oof.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not great. <laughs> that's a shame,
0: because this is not a particularly good movie, but it's very mm-hmm. entertaining.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's a very... <laughs> see
0: look how much joy it's bringing him just thinking about it (laughs) i said look i said look on a podcast what is this Yeah,
1: yeah it's like look on a radio format no, this movie's pretty fun. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's good, but it's very fun. Yeah,
0: and I mean, maybe I'm biased because, like I said, I'm gradually coming to the realization that one of my favorite genres is, in fact, weird off tilter buddy comedy starring two ladies, at least one of whom is a lesbian. Maybe both, but at least one. Right. But I had a really good time with this one. Uh, it's directed by Ethan Cohen and it's co-written by himself and his wife, Trisha Cook. It is mm-hmm. a—I believe it's supposed to be a send-up of, of, of older B-movies. Or at least affectionately paying homage, which yeah, with some of these scene transitions, I believe it. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's really funny.
1: Oh yeah, it's genuinely funny. There's a lot of funny moments. There are some great one-liners in this movie. Or uh, honestly, it's just just great lines in general. Some of which are very much on the depraved side of the aisle.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, this is uh, definitely got that. That was rated. Yeah, it had to be rated R.
1: Oh no! There's no way this movie was not rated R. Like there's absolutely with how many f bombs were dropped at minimum, this is absolutely yeah rated, rated R. Movie.
0: Yeah, I knew it had to be too much, too much, too much nudity in it too for it not to be. Yeah. <laughs> now I will say, um, this has the problem that I observed with the Boy Kills World trailer, where there's kind of two mm-hmm. different movies going on, and they don't really connect super well. Right. But they're also both decently entertaining on their own. So it's fine, I think. Yeah. <laughs> For a basic premise, the movie stars Margaret Qualley as Jamie and Geraldine Viswanathan as Marion. They are lesbian best friends, and Jamie's going through a bad breakup with her girlfriend, played by Beanie Feldstein, who's uh, Suki, who is a cop. And mm. the the breakup is happening because Jamie is... uh. Not very monogamous.
1: No. No, she is not.
0: (laughs) And Marion is struggling internally with something, but isn't entirely sure what. So she decides she's going to go down to Tallahassee, and because they're in Philadelphia. And Jamie decides she's going to go to Tallahassee, too. I don't remember if... I know she was going to leave Philadelphia, but I don't think she was planning specifically Tallahassee until... No, because when Geraldine says she's going, or when Marion says she's going to Tallahassee, Jamie just goes, why Tallahassee? And that becomes a little bit of a running gag. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knowing why Tallahassee. Yeah. So, they go to do a driveway car service, which I guess is, I don't know if that was ever actually a thing.
1: Yeah, that was actually something I meant
0: to look into as well. Huh. <laughs> Where the idea is, you drive a car somewhere for somebody else, one way. Mm-hmm. So... The second movie, essentially, is a man played by Pedro Pascal with a mysterious case gets murdered in an alleyway, and the case gets abducted, and it's in the trunk of the car that Jamie and Marion end up taking, because the proprietor of the car service, Curly, who, you can't call him Curly, we just met, it's too familiar. <laughs> but your
1: shirt says curly.
0: <laughs> he thinks they're working for the people who called him and told him about the car or whatever so he gives them the car. And then they drive away. And then mayhem ensues with the people who wanted that case trying to get it back. Jamie trying to get Marion to loosen up and also help her get laid again because apparently it's been years. Actual years. <laughs> and hijinks ensue. Lots of hijinks. Lots of
1: 90s to like, freaking acid-trip hijinks.
0: Wacky and also kinda raunchy hijinks. I don't know why I said kind of, very.
1: Yeah, as I say, like, kind of this is very much an under-delivery of what transpires in this movie. This movie is very, very raunchy.
0: Like a very explicit movie, it has to be said. <laughs> very explicit. The acting in it's really good, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a good cast in here, because you got Coleman Domingo, you got Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon...
1: Yeah, I mean, Margaret Qualley and and Geraldine Viswanathan also, like, just kill it. Margaret especially, she is hilarious in this movie. (laughs) She's
0: amazing. That accent is something else, but I like it and I feel like it fits the movie. Oh, yeah, 100%. She's loquacious, as she puts it, which is not an incorrect statement. (laughs) Mm. She does love her words. Indeed. And also, I, I really feel like the standout here is Geraldine Viswanathan, who does a really good job communicating a lot through just expressions. Yeah. <laughs> not that her character doesn't talk, but she's not the most verbose.
1: No, she's not. Just honestly the way she carries herself and the the humor that comes from that as people cuz part of it is just like her being her and everyone else having to react to her being herself. Right. <laughs> Because she is very, it's one of those things where, like, this is a character who is very, 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 like, kind of a tight character. Not a lot of, like, humor. Like, they're a very dry character, but because of that, there is a lot of humor that comes from that. Yeah. Um, and from the situations she creates be- through her personality.
0: I believe the ter- the term TV Trump uses, or did use, uh, is the comically serious. She's not funny on her own. Yes. She's funny because of things that happen to and around her.
1: Yes, because of how, largely because of how serious she is.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are some things that I don't understand why they were put in the movie when they were. There's some really weird psychedelic, acid trip looking scenes that I now understand mm. what their purpose is, but not why they were inserted where they were.
1: Yeah, I I originally thought that those were like showing eat like the segues for each act of the movie, but then at a certain point, it's like, oh no, that's definitely not what's going on here.
0: <laughs> no, no. I don't know how to judge some of the relationships in this movie. Some of them are definitely more problematic than others, it has to be said. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And to get into that's going to be a spoiler, so I'm not going to touch it yet, but I will say... I don't know that some of the moments that feel like they were supposed to be sweet landed, necessarily.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But also, this is mostly a comedy, so it's fine if it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, with with comedy movies, the important point is, does the comedy land? Yes, okay, then it's fine. Then it's absolutely fine. Yeah, then it's good. The thing is, because it's a comedy, it's also one of those things where a lot of what's Mm. worth talking about are the lines, but the lines feel like spoilers.
1: True. It is a very minor thing, but for the kind of comedy movie this is, and this is just a completely me thing, I liked how oddly car-focused it was. Mm. A lot of commentary on, like, the cars in particular, especially, like, how some of the cars are used as, like, small gags and of their own. And... (laughs) I guess a couple of them are spoilers as well, but it's just one of those minor things where it's like, all right, whoever wrote this at least is, is. I think they're like slightly a car person. <laughs> Fair. So it's, it's a very minor thing, a thing that I would only pick up on that, but there are things where it's just like, there's only two cars that are expressly talked about, and yet they're talked about with more detail than I would expect.
0: <laughs> also, the start of the movie in particular feels like a very interesting send-up of over-the-top, pulpy, noir things. Just... Mm-hmm. Take it up to 11 with some of the violence in it. Oh, yeah, 100%. A little uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> this is just a tad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This movie takes such an absolute turn in it that it's really hard to go on about without feeling like I'm spoiling anything. Here's, going on your car point, and I don't think this is too big of a spoiler, just, what kind of car is it? Dodge Aries. Is that a good car? No. And then I look over at you. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's not a great car. Uh, I mean, <laughs> At that point, I want to say that was when Mercedes owned Chrysler, which, at that point, Chrysler was not doing very good. (laughs) Shoot, now I'm, like, looking this up in the middle of the podcast, because I'm the car nerd, so I have to know. I have to know! Also known as the Plymouth Reliant. It's not a very reliant vehicle, is (laughs) it? (laughs) 1981 to 1989, which... It was a... Oh, this was when Mitsubishi was involved in Chrysler, too. Ah! <laughs> I mean, it's a late 80s Chrysler product. It's it's not a particularly great car, it has to be said. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, Joey Slotnick and C.J. Wilson as Arliss and Flint, two of basically the, the, the bumbling henchmen of a sort for uh, Colin oh, yeah. Domingo's character. Mm-hmm. They're good, and I really like the conclusion that... <laughs> Yeah. Their story arc <laughs> it's, it's, sort of reaches. Their story
1: arc reaches the natural and expected conclusion that I would assume would happen to any two people that have to go through the situation, the situations that they experience. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I thought that was really good and funny. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I think that might be about it for non-spoilers. What do you think? I, I would be inclined to agree there. So well, I'd say this is definitely worth a watch. Oh, 100%. I will say, like I said, it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's a, it's very uneven. It's very over-the-top, not necessarily in the best ways all the time, but it's really... It is very horny. <laughs> I wouldn't call it as good as Joyride, but it's mm-hmm. it's, it's similar in that regard. Yeah. A little bit under Joyride, though. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, if you don't want to get spoiled on driveway dolls, make sure to click away in 3, 2, 1. So... Is it weird that I feel like the real turn ultimately is Jamie and Marion? No, I don't think
1: so. Hmm. It's one of those things where... Let's see, how do I say this? I wasn't surprised that they ended up being a couple, but I was concerned because it was one of those things where it's like, this is not a good setup.
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Marion knows what Jamie is like, so if they go into a relationship outlining those expectations... And nobody expects any different, and they're all cool with it. Then it's fine. True, but also I will say, so so basically, as I think I mentioned earlier, part of part of Jamie's plan is getting Marion to unwind because she's really uptight, and, she, and Jamie thinks part of the problem is she hasn't had sex, and there's a couple of unsuccessful attempts to get Marion laid across this movie, and mm-hmm. then eventually Jamie functionally just picks up an infinity gauntlet, and says, "Fine, I'll do it myself, sugar sweetie," and decides. <laughs> You like that one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, I do. I'm glad. Because I can
1: also see that happening in this movie, too. Just
0: grabbing an Infinity Gauntlet.
1: Yeah, just grabbing an Infinity Gauntlet out of nowhere. It's like, alright, I'll do it myself. Snap. Uh,
0: and, like, it, 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 it was a pretty funny setup, too, because they're staying at this fancy hotel, and they decide to go to the restaurant at the hotel, and also leads to the good bit of, Jamie just putting everything on a rainbow card, it's like, aren't you going to have to pay for the card though, at some point? Theoretically. <laughs> but her just then outlining that the reason she was doing it was because she realized that Mary is the type of girl who you take to a fancy dinner first, and then going on about, like, you need an emotional connection with somebody, somebody who understands your needs, and she's just like, wait, what? And <laughs> it got me too! <laughs> I was not expecting it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I was very much with Marion, she was like, "Oh, all right, I guess this is happening now." <laughs> and just talking about like how good she is at creating comedy and all that through her expressions. Every moment that she that Marion just has like the whole wide eyed look of, "Oh God, oh no, this is happening right now." It's just the best, right?
0: Right. <laughs> just her her realization. That Jamie is proposing to honey dip her chicken biscuit or whatever it is you use as a euphemism for, it. <laughs> yeah.
1: which again is something sounds like something that character would say. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure she never said it, but
1: but it's something that she absolutely would have given
0: the opportunity. Was it her or Marion who said black belt and cunningness? I think <laughs> I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Jamie. Mm. The line that you insisted I write down.
1: It's like, write that down, write that down (laughs) Write that down, mom. I need my turn on the water slide, if you know what I mean
0: (laughs) Oh, right! So, in like, Georgia or something They end up finding out what's in the trunk, because What's in the case, because they have to, uh, their tire blows And they go to get the spare, and then they find the ice box containing the agent's head Which I don't know why they would transport that to
1: yeah, that's the part that makes me go. It's like, okay, these people are fucking idiots. Yep. These criminals are actually morons. Are they Why criminals? You the with you. I'm going to assume so. Not Jamie. Not Jamie and Mary.
0: No, but I, the others because ultimately speaking, they're working for a senator. That doesn't mean they're not criminals. But they could. Yeah, as I was gonna say, that doesn't narrow it down, dog. They, they could be feds <laughs> and also criminals. Mm. Because it turns out, what's inside the case are five plaster replicas. Of Penises of Famous Men. Yes. One of which is a Floridian senator, uh, played by Matt Damon.
1: Yes, which, it has to be said, I kind of forgot that Matt Damon was in this movie until we see a billboard of him and his family in the movie.
0: (laughs) I also didn't really know he was in it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I remember seeing him in, like, the trailers. Because the thing about this, too, is that they showed trailers for this movie, like, eight months ago, I think. Mm. And then there was just, like, nothing about it for the longest time. But I just didn't remember being like, oh, shit, Matt Damon's in this movie.
0: <laughs> and I think they, they find out what's in the case relatively, uh, not relatively early, but, like, maybe midway through. And then we don't find out until, like, the third act. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> and we find out because after Jamie and Marion have sex, Marion wakes up and Jamie is uh, using one of them. Yes.
1: <laughs> and once again again the whole thing of comedy through expression. Marion just has this whole like wide eyed like puppy dog it's like Jamie no <laughs> I was just like, What? And then he's like, Oh no <laughs> Oh God Almighty
0: <laughs> And so then they get they, they they get abducted by the two guys, Arliss and Flint, and mm-hmm. Chief, who's Coleman Domingo's character who explains that apparently these these dick replicas were created by someone named Tiffany Plastercaster who's played by you 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 spotted this one Miley Cyrus. <laughs>
1: yes, and not only that, apparently this character is a not expressly the same person but it is based on a woman who I believe was also named Tiffany Plastercaster. Huh. Or or it might or no, I think it was Cynthia Plastercaster who basically did the same thing that Tiffany does in this movie where she slept with like famous or like slept in um with famous men and, and then made penises based on theirs like i want to say from the article i read last night one of the more well known ones is that she did one for Jimi hendrix
0: that's insanity so.
1: Yeah, it is. That's the seventies for you. <laughs> that is the that is the era of like Woodstock and and all the craziness that like goes on that goes with it.
0: <laughs> so Jamie ends up extorting a billion dollars out of the senator, and um, as
1: one does, as one does.
0: <laughs> I will say he does. He does a whole monologue when they're doing the handoff, where he talks about I used to believe in the free market, but you sickos commodifying people and turning them into objects and what have you. And I think to myself, you know. I know he's a Floridian senator who's anti-LGBTQ or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I suppose there is a broader point to be made about everybody deserving the right to their own privacy and what have you. However, then you stumble into the philosophical discussion of, in a truly tolerant society, can you tolerate intolerance? And... Look, I'm not really a major in that sort of thing. I'm not an expert. I I I generally come down to the side of, no, you can't, because unfortunately... At least, the buck stops when you start actively preaching harm or oppression of other groups. So... Yeah. Fuck em is where I'm going with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happened, and that's how he got in this situation. With his own dick.
1: With his own dick. <laughs> that didn't happen, but... <laughs>
0: There's a really great point before they do the handoff where Jamie, is... God, that just sounds. <laughs> in context, that sounds even worse. That's not a good ch- word choice. <laughs> before they pass the case along in exchange for the million dollars, mm. that's a little better, I think.
1: That's slightly better. Still, a euf- still sounds like a euphemism, but that's improved. <laughs> Jamie
0: and Marion are making out in the shower, and there's a bit where Marion just goes, "I want to make love with the senator's penis." <laughs> yeah. And the best part is that one of them reaches out of the shower where it's where it's on the uh, it's on the counter, pulls it up, and it makes
1: after being like put in a little bow because they left it in the room for the like housekeeping uh, the fine for, for housekeeping the fine, and which is kind of foreshadowed too as well because we see her just like with like a cross and all that on yeah. her because i was just like oh no. <laughs>
0: Honestly, I'm kind of surprised. I figured it would have gone missing.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, is like someone just took the penis. I was, was a little like, pleasantly no,
0: surprised by that swerve. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the really funny part is that when she lifts it up, it makes this fucking suction cup noise. <laughs> I wasn't prepared.
1: No, I wasn't either. Because it's, it's one of those things where it's the two of them trying to have this nice moment with each other with like, nice music playing, and then you just hear. <laughs> Great. Right. Just like, all right. <laughs> at that moment, because we were both laughing pretty good at that, I kind of felt bad for the two people in front of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but it was funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was very funny. So he does try to take the million back with a mask on, but at the same time, Suki Jamie's ex catches up with them to hand to hand them the chihuahua, which is is a thing in context that I've skipped over entirely. Which is a running gag in this movie, <laughs> and she recognizes not the senator, but she recognizes an attempted robbery when she sees one. So she pulls out her gun because she's a cop and <laughs> shoots him, and he lives. But he ends up getting caught with both the ice box head of the guy and the case full of dicks, which ends up making front page headlines. And the best part is the sub headline of "I can explain," says senator. <laughs> <laughs> so Marion and Marion and Jamie end up. Meeting up with Marion's aunt. Jamie states afterwards they're going to Massachusetts because it's the uh, only state that lets women get married
1: to women. Right after Marion also said, by the way, watch what you say about my, around my aunt. She's super religious. Immediately being like, oh, she's going to fuck this up. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, yep. no doubt.
0: I'm not even sure if the marriage thing was true or if that was just a thing being said specifically to push buttons.
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's true.
0: I'm like, I'm sure it would uh, be eventually. I just don't know if I just don't know if she was saying that as like, yeah, this is a thing that's happening right now, or like, haha. Hello. now I really want to rewatch this movie now. Maybe not in the theater, because that would be a little awkward now that I know what I'm getting into. But mm. when it comes out on either streaming or on disc, I might get it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, the thing I specifically want to watch is, and and try to gauge is there's a point in the middle of the movie where they're at a, what was it, a basement party with a soccer team full of lesbians? Yeah. and Everybody's making out with everybody, and then they're all changing places when one of them blows on a whistle, which is really funny. And mm. it ends up circling around where Marion and Jamie are face-to-face with each other, and this is before they end up hooking up. And Marion's awkwardly trying to go, oh, can we, can we can we, switch to somebody? We're just friends, and everybody just ignores them. And <laughs> Jamie kind of coaxes her into it, and they make out a little bit, and then Marion pulls away, and... I want to try to gauge what that expression is, because I actually can't, on, on my first watch, I couldn't quite place it beyond, this is awkward and this doesn't feel right, and now I'm wondering if it's a case of, this was foreshadowing. Maybe it was her going, wait, that was actually really great, but A, she's my friend, and B, also, she's she kind of sleeps around a lot.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see it being um, further foreshadowing, for sure.
0: Yeah. Maybe? Mm. No, I'm really interested in watching this again at some point. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You think we could get away with it for movie night? Maybe? Mm. (laughs) I mean, I'd be
1: down. I would 100% be down. But maybe? I don't know. (laughs) It's genuinely a very funny movie, so...
0: Indeed. Yeah, no, I had a great time. This is currently, I think, like my third favorite that's released this year so far.
1: So does that mean it's knocked Madame Webb out of your top ten? Madam
0: Webb is now off the top ten out of thirteen.
1: Okay, as I was gonna say, if this goes on for week three, then it's like, holy shit. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not.
0: Madame Webb got one week, and that's just because mm. Night Swim and Skeletons in the Closet were so much worse. Right. Yeah, I've currently got this at third. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's time for no-context funny lines. Oh, boy. <laughs> These are mostly just ones that I've written down. That is not a public receptacle! <laughs> It's like talking to a bucket of wet cement. You wouldn't know a bucket of wet hmm. cement if it bit you. <laughs> Going at it like a Cincinnati jackhammer. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Slapping oh, hand on the veranda. That's great.
0: <laughs> and one of my favorite early bits do I tell you how to speak? Yes. The fact remains. <laughs> Anywho, please don't say that. <laughs> when that happens,
1: just like no, I say that all the time. I can't stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are some of my favorites.
1: Oh yeah, and there's more. There's definitely more that we didn't like catch or write down or oh, yeah. quote in this movie.
0: One hundred percent. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, thanks for listening, everybody. I already did the spiel, so I'll spare you it again. We're also on TikTok, Amazon, Google Podcasts. I also do other things on YouTube, like Poorly Explained Comics. Actually, that's pretty much it. I also post little shorts that are, but they're all just audio excerpts from here. Right. Might start doing other stuff. I don't know. We'll see. It's a, it's, it's 2024 is still young, kind of, technically. Oh, yeah. Next week, uh, it's Dune Part Two. Oh, yeah, that's right. I might join you for that. We'll find out. Neat. Hopefully. I might need somebody to wake me up if it's anything like Dune Part One. (sighs) Yeah, fair. I say
1: that would be the most interesting thing about it too Because I still haven't
0: seen the first one
1: So it's like I go to see it and I'm there And I'm just like the fuck's going on And you're like I know what's happening
0: I'm not I sure like I that. will <laughs> I've forgotten a lot of what happened in Doom Part 1 hmm. I'll be 100% honest I mean I guess we could also Go on Peacock and watch Megamind Versus the Doom Syndicate What? Yeah they're making a, they made a pilot movie for the TV series Okay. Yeah, uh, hmm. Mm. I've seen the trailer. I didn't put it on trailer time for a reason. Oh, boy, that's all I need to hear,
1: really. Yeah.
0: It's pretty much Doom Part 2. In any case, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll.
1: And with Greg, a.k.a.
0: Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye!